0: Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC Austin, Cowboy Cerrone versus Yancey Medeiros. And Shaq, it's going down this Sunday in Austin, Texas, man.
1: Yeah, man, this is a solid event. I mean, this could, uh, this arguably was better than last week's event, and, uh, on paper at least. And I'm excited to see these fights, you know, Crossroads fight in the main event, three-fight win streak versus three-fight
0: losing streak, and uh, let's see who gets it done. No, absolutely, and, you know, normally Shaq's in studio with me, but now you're over the phone, but the show must go on, as you know, Shaq, and speaking of last week, much respect to Jake Matthews. You know, he went out there, rose to the occasion, and beat Li Liang. and uh, there's nothing else to say but hats off to Jake Matthews on that performance.
1: Yeah,
0: Jake looked the best he ever has, and uh, props to him, and good luck to him moving forward. Absolutely, and also one other thing I wanted to say, uh, I said, who the fuck is Tyson Pedro? I think now I know who the fuck Tyson Pedro is, Shaq. And, you know, maybe I got to put that kind of pressure on these guys before uh, their pay-per-view debuts, and maybe they'll all go out there and perform like he did in that first round.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was a solid performance. Uh, you know, really wasn't that hairy at all,
0: and uh, he, I guess he is one of the top prospects at 205. Yeah, he proved himself, and that's all there is to say about that. And, man, Yoel, soldier of God, Romero. What is it about the third-round knockout with this guy? He already had the record for most third-round knockouts in USC history. He just extended that streak a little further. And not only that, man, uh, my boy T-City has a run for his money in the third-round finish department.
1: Yeah, man, Yoel is uh, definitely the second-best middleweight out there. Had a very close fight with Rob that first time. And, I mean... I think he uh, probably put an ender on that career of Luke Rockhold, man. That's uh, how many K losses now? Four. So Luke's had a great career, former champ.
0: But uh, it's Yoel's
1: time now, and uh, we'll see Yoel in that rematch and see how he does.
0: Uh, four too many is what it is for uh, for Mr. Rockhold. But yeah, props to Yoel, uh, took care of Biz. And now we got to talk about UFC Austin. We're going to do the whole card start to finish. And man, first fight of the night. Oscar Pijota, he's minus 280. The comeback on Tim Williams is plus 240. Now, man, we got two prospects here. One of them is, uh, you know, more of a vet than a prospect. But still, this is officially Tim Williams' UFC debut. He's taking on Oscar Pijota. What do you think, man?
1: Yeah, man. Pijota had a solid debut. I mean, that was a pretty flawless debut. He had some uh, some nice back taking against Jonathan Wilson. And he's got a nice little point-fighting approach um very calm he's not gonna you know take any stupid unmeasured risk out there and like i said that bjj is on point he's got a nice left hook as well and but you know the thing is uh tim Williams, a very big middleweight i mean his uh tie-ups and his clinch game is very strong it's definitely imposing out there and i feel like oscar in my opinion i feel like he's a smaller middleweight i do think pia has the edge in every aspect across the board but Williams is one of these guys that, you know, he's paid his dues on the local scene. You know, he's not phased by much. And Pia Chota's undefeated. We always know that these undefeated guys, they have a tendency to show up flat every now and then. And this could be the time, you know, Tim Williams, that vet, that if you show up flat, you know, he's going to out you. He's going to put on a vet performance. But I think Pia like I said, is the better fighter. I think he wins a close decision here. I actually think this is going to be closer than the line indicates. But uh, I got Pia
0: Look, I like Oscar Pihota as well. And how am I not going to pick someone named Oscar? I mean, my dog's name is Oscar for fuck's sake, man. But, you know, this is a guy in Oscar Pijota, who beat Vinny Magalies on the jiu-jitsu scene. Three to nothing on points. One does not simply beat Vinny Magalhães on the jiu-jitsu scene. That's exactly what this kid did. He's a Robert Drysdale black belt. But with Tim Williams, we're dealing with a very strong individual. And, uh, you know, if you're wrestling defense and on point, Tim Williams is that guy that will grind you out. Super strong for the weight class. He's massive. But I think somewhere along the way, after a very close round, he's going to start to gas out. And I think Oscar is going to get a dominant position on him. And I think he's going to tap out Tim Williams. So I'm going to go with Oscar Pihota here for the win. Now, next up in the lightweight division, we got Alex Murano. Actually, the welterweight division, Shaq. We got Alex Murano. He's minus 275. The comeback on Josh Berkman is plus 235. Now, they call Josh Berkman the people's warrior, and, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, he should keep that name, man, because uh, this dude banged Ariane, so he's winning at life. The question here is, is he going to win inside the UFC's octagon, Shaq?
1: Man, Josh Berkman, I feel like he's one of these guys that's, you know, just, too tough for his own good. He doesn't know when to call it quits. And, I mean, the guy, heart is not an issue for the guy. I think he's got a massive heart. But I just don't think he can take it as well as he used to. Even in his prime in the UFC, he used to struggle to get wins as he was cut from the UFC his first stint. I mean, his second UFC stint ain't going too hot either. You know, his only wins against K.J. Noons, And, you know, K.J. Noons broke his hand early in the fight, and K.J. Nunes simply didn't want it. But
0: K.J. else retired after he, that fight. He,
1: Exactly, and you know Berkman—he's one of these guys. He's a super crafty vet. We know he knows how to fight. It's just that his body, his brain, the CTE, all the all the shots he's been taking lately, all the all the years training, all the wars in the gym—it's catching up with him. And I mean, we we've been seeing it in his last two fights—the Pizarra fight—he retired after that fight. He he said he's done. He left his gloves in the octagon. I mean, Dober put the icing on the cake and uh, you know, launched him across the uh into the fifth row. So I mean, you know, I think Berkman's still got, you know, a decent body lock, but I don't think he can do it for three rounds. And you know, when I talk about Alex Morono, Morono, yeah, he is coming off two losses, even though his last fight against Kaitaro, I thought it was I thought it was super close. But I love his style, man. And you know, a lot of people are thinking that he has to knock Berkman out to win this fight. And that's not the case at all. I think he can go three rounds and win a decision as well by out volume out voluming him. I think he's got the way better cardio. And I think uh, Berkman, he's just going to be looking to, you know, land big haymakers off the brakes and, you know, desperation shots against the fence. And I think this is Morano's fight to get back on track. You know, after these uh, last two L's I feel like he's learned a lot. And, you know, he's not fighting K-Taro and Nico Price anymore. I think this is the perfect fight for him. I think Berkman's going to have, you know, cardio for about two, three minutes and then Morano's going to run away with this.
0: I agree with you, man. You know, I think that, uh, well, I don't think, I know for a fact, Berkman is 1 in 10 in his last 11 UFC appearances, Shaq. I mean, if that doesn't tell the story, I don't know what will. But the bottom line here is that Alex Morano... He's a super tough guy to fight. You know, you listen to Nico Price talk about their matchup, and uh, Nico Price was like, man, the the kid is super tough to time because, you know, he'll faint three times for every one time that he actually decides to go in there and attack. And you actually saw similar qualities when Josh Berkman went in there and fought Drew Dober. Now, I know Drew Dober's a southpaw and Murano's orthodox, but they have very similar movement, and that movement threw off Josh Berkman because, look— as you know, speed's the first thing to go. Josh Berkman's 38 years old, man, so he doesn't react as fast as he used to. And with all the feints that Murano's throwing at him, I think uh, he's going to be very confused. I personally think Murano's going to go out there and get his first kill in the UFC. I think this is going to be a knockout. However, if it does go the three-round distance, I, I think Murano's going to win a, de- a decision because the kid's volume is is on point. You saw that second and third round against James Muntasri, man. You start to slow down on a kid like Alex Morano. he's going to tee off on you. And he's had nothing but stiff competition since he joined the UFC. And, uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, this is his first softball. And, you know, I hate to talk shit about a guy like Berkman who's been in the UFC for this many years. But, you know, this is a cold hard business, man. It can be cruel. It can be ruthless. But it is never personal. And the facts are he's 1 in 10 his last 11 UFC fights. I think he's about to be 1 in 12. I'm going with Alex Morano. Here, I think he gets back on track and gets a big win over Josh Berkman in Texas. And next up in the featherweight division, we got Brandon Davis. He's minus 190. The comeback on Steven Peterson is plus 165. Now, we saw Steven Peterson on Dana White Tuesday Night Contender. He went out there against Benito Lopez. I personally thought he won that fight, but now he's moving up to 145 pounds. And Shaq, we've seen with a lot of these guys. When they move up in weight, they perform better. But Brandon Davis, this is his second chance. As we know, uh, he lost a very controversial split uh unanimous decision to Kyle Boczniak, which uh you don't he you don't go out there and win a decision against Kyle Boczniak, as you know, my friend. So uh what are you thinking for this matchup?
1: Yeah, man, you know, Steven Peterson he's like one of these junkyard dogs, you know, he doesn't look very athletic. He's on the slower side, he gets hit a lot, but he's got that workman approach and He just likes to take his damage and he likes to dish it out even better. And like you said, he arguably did beat Benito Lopez on that Tuesday night contender series at 135. I've heard some interviews where he says that the cut to 135 pretty much takes everything out of him and that he's surprised that he did so well at 135 throughout his career. But at 145, he's only lost one fight in his career. And he says he feels like that's the weight class for him in the UFC. And I mean, he's super accomplished on the local scene. I mean, the guy is the former legacy champion. He went five rounds with Leandro Higo. You know, he beat Manny Vasquez. He beat Matt Hobart. So, I mean, the guy—he's uh—he's paid his dues on the local scene. And Brandon Davis, you know, he's got that slick striking style. Even though he likes to take a lot of unnecessary punches, uh, he kind of reminds me of like a Zaleski style on the feet. And you know, he already had that that feeling of walking to the cage in a in a main event for a. a A prelim on FS1 So I mean I feel like uh, He's going to be A lot more comfortable here So I am going to go With uh, Brandon Davis Um, But I think this could be A lot closer man I feel like uh, A lot of people Are on Davis Um, And you know I I see why I I think he is You know The better striker But Peterson's one of these guys That you know I'm sure Benito Lopez Thought he was going to Knock Steven Peterson Out in the first round But uh, Between you and me There was one guy That wanted out of that fight (laughs)
0: And it wasn't Steven Peterson, I'll tell you that right now. And, you know, man, just to add to what you said, look, I think Steven Peterson's going to come out here and have a successful UFC featherweight debut because, you know, the weight cuts really work and, too extreme for him and I think that's why he kind of did start to gas out in that Benito fight you know then again he pushes a seriously high pace so that could be the reason why as well and Brandon Davis like you said man he's got a a very aggressive striking style many believe he won that fight against Bochniak but you already know the deal when you go to decision with a guy like Bochniak Uh, ask my boy uh, Enrique Barzola you know what I'm saying so I, I think that in this specific spot You know, if Steven Peterson can avoid getting knocked out, I think he can grind this out, man. So I'm going to actually go with the upset here. I think that Steven Peterson starts off slow, which he is known for. But eventually, I think Brandon's going to start to slow down. And that's where uh, Steven Peterson takes over with his very grindy style. I think he's going to grind out a decision here. Female bantamweight division. Lucy Pudalova. She's minus 170. The comeback on Sarah Morass is plus 150. Now, uh, Shaq, they actually got this one right, my man. Yeah, you know, before the, Lions, before the Lions came out, you know, I was looking at Puta Love as a
1: potential underdog, and I'm just going to say I think she wins this fight, and I think she wins it, you know, comfortably. Man, I feel like Maras is a, a limited fighter in her approach. I feel like she's uh, she comes out looking to swing big bombs early, and I feel like those big bombs will be countered with a straight jab to the nose. And I feel like uh, once that happens, and I don't feel like uh, Morass's offensive takedown game is – a threat. I've seen Putulova's stuff against Lena Landsberg. Like who has better takedowns, in my opinion, and um, I just think this is uh, a fight for the taking. Um, we know that Maras has a very good guard, very sneaky arm bars, and I feel like that's her only chance at winning this fight. I feel like that's the only way she can win. by any of her fights is by fluke on bar, or you know, her opponent gassing out and her getting that back, like she almost did against George. I feel like her skill set across the board is super under par, in my opinion. Um, I think putalova has got a lot of potential. I mean, like we said, that nice jab. Um, you know, she kind of does get stunned early by some shots, but she keeps her composure, and uh, she has a nice, solid point finding game. And another thing about Miraz, I've heard her talk about how she wants to move to 145. Uh, the weight cuts is getting real tough for her. So uh, I like Putalova all day in this matchup. I think she uh, keeps her distance. I think maybe a little early it could be hairy, but second and third round, I think she keeps her distance. In, uh, Pops back that head of Sarah Maas for a decision
0: to win. Man, I was pleasantly surprised with Lucy Pudalova when we went back and watched the tape on her, man. She's a. She's actually pretty impressive, you know. She reminds me of a young Joanna Jungajec. Just go back and watch, and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. You know, if you just look at her record on paper, you know, you see one and one in the UFC. But between you and me, that fight against Lena Landsberg—that was an absolutely disgusting robbery. I mean, one one fighter had both their eyes shut closed, and the other one was unmarked, and uh, the one with both their I mean, eyes shut closed, Lena, like when your opponent
1: admits that she lost, you know what I'm saying? So that's how you know uh, it was disgusting.
0: I mean, when the opponent. That uh, had both their eyes shut closed is rushed to the hospital, and that's the winner. That, that's all I gotta say about that fight, man, because Lucy Pudulova clearly won that fight. And then her next one, she took care of Biz there as well, man. Uh, she handed the first L to the girl that just beat Justine Kish. So, Lucy is no slouch. And you go back, you watch some of her sparring footage, and she's a mean girl, okay? She's a mean lady. She will go out there, and I bet you she's knocked out dudes in the practice room before. And look, with Sarah Morass. You know, if you play around in this girl's guard, there's a chance she's gonna tap you out. But uh, if you, you know, if you keep this fight standing, you're gonna pick this girl apart all day, man. Because Sarah Morass, all she's got is, you know, you talk about a puncher's chance. She's got, you know, a submitter's chance. But it's not even if she gets on top of you. It's if she's on bottom. You know, if she's able to pull guard, go for an armor, Because I'll tell you this right now, Shaq, her offensive takedown attempts ain't gonna work here. You. you know, Lucy Putalova is the kind of fighter that. If you get, you know, if you pull guard on her because we did see on the regional scene that she fought a fighter very similar to Sarah Morass, and that fighter similar to Sarah Morass, put Lucy Putalova in an armbar. So it's almost like we fought, you know, a lesser version of this already in our regional scene days and Lucy Putalova passed the test. She didn't fuck around on the mat. She waved the girl, you know, to get up to get up to the feet and fight her, you know. Fight her like a, I was going to say fight her like a man, but uh, fight her like a woman. You know what I'm saying, Shaq? So look, man, I, I think in this spot, I, am, I think my girl Lucy Pudalova is going to take care of Biz. I think she's going to pick apart Sarah Morass and uh, potentially get her out of there, but most likely a unanimous decision. So I'm going with the favorite, Lucy Pudalova. And I think she's a bright prospect that you got to look out for in that division. Flyweight division, we got Joby Sanchez, he's minus 135, the comeback on Roberto Sanchez is plus 115. Now, there's one thing I can guarantee in this fight, Shaq, Sanchez is getting the win, my man.
1: Yeah, for sure, man. Sanchez is going to get the job done, but uh, as far as with Sanchez, you know, <laughs> Roberto Sanchez in his debut against uh, Bopo Morales, I mean, that was kind of alarming, wasn't it? I mean, he uh, took him down early, and you know, I know his jiu-jitsu credentials, he's a Draculina black belt, and... um you know, he's solid on top, but then the second uh, Bopo Joe worked back up to his feet, the face he made, and then the punch right after that, he went down. It was very alarming. I almost feel like he quit the second he realized he couldn't hold him down. And, you know, I've seen that kid fight on the local scene in LFA, and he is super hell-bent on staying on top because his jujitsu is that good. Now with uh, Joby Sanchez, I feel like the kid's paid his dues. He's definitely the more experienced guy in the spot. You know, we remember him back in the day when he fought uh, – Wilson Hayes, and he had Wilson doing the chicken dance across the cage in his debut, and then he uh, won a split against uh, to and then he got took like a canvas snap from Gian Herrera, but, you know, these things happen when they're a young fighter, and, I mean, a lot of young guys would have packed it in. They would have just fell off the deep end, but my boy Joby went back to the local, local scene, fixed some mistakes, and he got two solid wins over Manny Vasquez, you know, who beat Ricardo Ramos, and he uh, beat um, JP Byes, who trains that team alpha male, so... Yeah, did his job. Joby's one of these solid point fighters. There, you know, his his fights, they're always going to be somewhat close. You know what I'm saying? It's most likely not going to be a landslide victory, but he knows what he has to do to win. He's super knowledgeable on the points training out of Jackson Wing, and uh, I think he's going to win on points here. I think the first round will be kind of hairy. I think they'll be tied up for most of the round. But uh, when Joby stuffs that, I think second and third, I think he'll land the more effective shots. And, you know, just stay what we like to, me and you like to call it pretty and cute and, you know, impress the judges and win a nice little 29-28 the same way he was winning on the Contender Series.
0: Yeah, look, I mean, if this fight hits the mat in the first round, all Joby has to do is survive and get back up to his feet. Because if you get back up to the feet after the initial takedown attempt against Roberto Sanchez, the kid's going to fold up. I mean, you saw the look in his eye when uh, Bopo Joe got up that first time and Roberto didn't want to be there anymore. And these are the kind of things that, you know, fighters need to take advantage of in the UFC, they watch something on tape, they see that, look, this guy is prone, to, this guy's a front runner, you better take advantage of it, and like you said, Joby's paid his dues, man, he already had a stint in the UFC, he went back to the local scene, fixed his mistakes, then went to Dana White Tuesday Night Contender Series, and he didn't get the call up on his first try, Shaq, he had to come back two times, win both times against some very tough competition, you know, a kid in Manny Vasquez who finished Ricardo Ramos, and, uh, I think Joby proved that he's ready to get back uh, to the UFC. I actually think he should be a wider favorite in this spot. I'm going to go with Joby Sanchez here. And, you know, I'm going to say decision. But, Shaq, don't be surprised if he hands Roberto Sanchez his second, uh, you know, stoppage loss inside the UFC's octagon. Because what we saw from Roberto in Mexico, uh, that's not what you want to see from a flyweight prospect. So I'm going to go with Joby Sanchez here inside the distance. Welterweight division. We got Jeff Neal. He's minus 210. And the comeback on Brian Kamosi is plus 175 now. Shout out to my boy Brian Kamosi because, uh, you know, even if he loses this fight and gets cut, he's got a very good job at State Farm. So, you know, the kid's got one foot out the door. But I'll tell you what, he's got some nice Muay Thai technique. The question is, is that a Muay Thai technique enough to take out a guy like Jeff Neal who's a little powerhouse?
1: Yeah, man. Um, you know, this open, you know, minus 165 in the five dimes and uh got Steam to minus 210, and, you know, I feel rightfully so. You know, I completely get it. Everyone's expecting Jeff Neal to come out here and touch Kamosi's, you know, chin with that left hand. And we know that Kamosi, at least so far in his 2 UFC fights, just hasn't reacted well to the shots. Like you said, he's got solid technique. I think, you know, he can strike for sure. We saw him in that pocket trading with Preet. The kid can strike. He's got good technique. It's just that mentally... Does he really want this? You know, I've been hearing interviews. The guy just seems a little bit uninterested. Like you said, he is an insurance salesman. Maybe he doesn't, maybe he really doesn't want this. I just think that in this fight, it just comes down to a desire thing. I think Neil's on the up and Tomozi really, does he really need this? You know what I'm saying? I feel like, you know, Neil, from what I'm hearing from him, I feel like he thinks the same way. I think he, Neil thinks he's going to come out here and get a first round knockout. Now, the thing is, Neil's past he has been finished in the third round um he's tapped out and he's been knocked out against a guy named Kevin Holland who we know is the real deal he's got a super uh, hard style to deal with and the fact that Neil already took his L's on the local scene is a good thing in this spot in my opinion but uh I think the power is just going to be the difference here, and the confidence I think Neil just wants it more plain and simple and I think he's going to get it I think um first round he's going to touch him up and I think he's going to get him out of here now if it goes past the first round all those people that bet it you know are you 100% sure that Neil can go to the full three you know I wasn't sure just because I've never seen him do it um so you know that was a concern of mine and just because you know he's got a lot of muscles you know in the third round he might get a little tired just like how he did against uh Kevin Holland so I still think Neil's going to get a first round knockout though uh, I think uh, we've seen the last of the Kamozi bells inside the octagon. Look,
0: <laughs> like, I'm going to go with Jeff Neal as well, man. But man, that fight with Kevin Holland was a serious fight, and if you haven't seen it, go and watch it on YouTube. You know, Kevin Holland is a six foot three prospect he's a super athletic guy he's kind of a freak uh you know what i'm saying in that cage man and i think that kevin holland will be in the ufc later on this year so i don't see any shame in taking that kind of l and i also don't think that brian camozzi is capable of having that kind of war with jeff neal like kevin holland did that being said man brian camozzi is already uh, a touchdown inside the octagon even though he lost both of his fights he knows what the bright lights are like now you can say that Jeff Neal does as well because he was on Dana White Tuesday Night Contender. But as you know, Shaq, it's different when you're fighting in front of the crowd, you know, versus uh, just that UFC gym. But that being said, man, I just think that Jeff Neal is a better athlete. I think he's mentally stronger. I think he wants this more. I think he's too powerful, too dynamic. I think he's going to get Brian Camosi out of there. We've seen that Brian Camosi has a bit of a weak body and uh, a bit of weak chin, man. You know, it's look. Brian Kamosi has good offensive Muay Thai technique, but as you know, man, this ain't Lion Fight. This ain't Glory. You know what I'm saying? This is the UFC. And even when I talk about, uh, you know, his Muay Thai technique, it ain't on Lion Fight level. It ain't on Glory level or anything like that. So you know, yeah, I, I brought it, up that example. It, it, it ain't just, there at all. Yeah. 100%. And 100. Uh, you know, that being said, man, I, I think Jeb Neal's gonna get him out of there. I think it's gonna be a right hook to the liver. Excuse me. It's gonna be a left hook to the liver, and I, I think he's gonna put down Brian Camozzi, uh you know, b- before the third round, but we'll see what happens, man, because, like you said, we've seen Jeff Neal gas in the past, but, you know, everyone's got to take that first L, and I think those were very valuable lessons for him. You know, the Kevin Holland fight, I can completely excuse because Kevin Holland's a serious fighter. The other one, though, you know, maybe we can say it was his third pro fight. We can excuse him in that respect, but that dude he lost to, uh, ain't been doing shit, Shaq, so, you know, it's one. that's why I, I am a little hesitant, you know, to take this number here, a high number on the UFC debut. But that being said, I, I do think the newcomer is going to take this fight. Next up in the lightweight division, we got Jared Flash Gordon. is 255, and the comeback on Carlos Diego Ferreira is plus 215. Now, Shaq, Diego Ferreira is plus 215. Uh, they must have forgot. They they must have forgot that his only
1: losses are to Benil Darius and Dustin Employer. And, you know, like I was saying about Steven Peterson earlier, this is his teammate. And I feel like the same thing, you know, these guys are super deceptive. If you watch them on tape, you know, when you watch them on tape, you think, Oh, this guy's slow. This guy, he got no head movement. I'm going to outstrike him easily. And then when you get in there with them, you know, just ask my boy uh, OAM if he still remembers Carlos Diego, you know what I'm saying? And uh, he'll tell you that he sure does because that was the last time we saw Carlos and he straight up broke that kid, man. Um, you know, the questions coming into this fight is USADA going to be a factor. Like, you know, in the past, we've told you that, you know, when Mateus pops, it's not going to be a factor. And, you know, when Vito Canetti pops, it's going to be a factor. Um, This, I'm halfway. I don't know if it's going to be a factor, and I don't know, because, you know, he's right in that middle age. He's about 32, 33. You know, he's either at the end of his prime or he's either, you know, starting the tail end. So I really don't know. Um as far as Jared Gordon's skills go, I'm not going to lie. I don't think that he's, you know, a future top 15 guy or, you know, this guy that a lot of people are making him out to see him. Um, I think he's just a beneficiary of the two opponents that he's had. You know, I think, you know, this is a flashy striker that clearly if you stay on him, You know, he'll break, and we already know that is was done. Hakron's not in the UFC anymore. We know that if you stay on Hakron, he'll quit as well. I mean, the history, those guys' uh, history is laid out there. And, you know, I think, you know, Gordon, you know, he has this reputation of drowning guys, and he might drown Carlos because we don't know the type of shape Carlos is going to be in. But I think Jared Gordon gasses out as well. I just think he was fighting Hakron, who is on a different state of – you know, being gas, I think Acron is just completely done. So I'm not gonna, you know, overhype that performance against Acron. I'm just not. So I think Carlos actually is the better fighter in every aspect in the game. When you know, at the time of where he left, I mean, his striking was looking the best it ever has. Um, his we already know his game on the mat. I mean, we already we already know that. Even though Jared Gordon's a super accomplished on the mat as well, we already know my boy Carlos has the edge there. So I think Carlos is a super live underdog. I think that the first L UFC L for uh, Jared Gordon could be coming up very soon. And this is the perfect scenario. You know, a fairly unknown guy we haven't seen in a while. But make no mistake about it. When Carlos left the game two years ago, he was at the top of his game. He was a top 20, 25 guy. And like I said, he's only lost to Dustin and Benil, and they were respectable he fought Dustin like a man, and Benil's just a better fighter. So uh, I'm going to go with Carlos in this one. I think the line's super off. I think the line should be, honestly, a pick'em Or, you know, Carlos may be a, a little slight fade just because of the layoff, but uh, people seem to be confident in Gordon, man.
0: Yeah, and, you know, look, Jared Gordon, much respect. He's had two great performances inside the UFC, but for him to be an over 2.5-1 to one, Favorite here over Diego Ferreira is insane. Look, I get it. Diego's coming off that USADA suspension, but like you were talking about, man, you know, there's guys like Brian Ortega and Mateus Nicola who come back looking perfect, and then there's guys like Guido Canetti and George Sullivan who come back and get finished. And, you know, Diego Ferreira is kind of in the middle there because prior to his suspension, he was really good, man. You know, he just beat OAM, and you watch that fight and You know OAM loves to take dudes down. Well, when OAM took down Carlos Diego in that third round, Diego had a beautiful sweep on OAM and then dominated him on the mat. And I don't see why, you know, this brown belt in Jared Gordon, if he tries to take down the third-degree black belt in Diego Fajera, I don't see why he won't be swept as well and possibly submitted. It's just that coming off the two-year suspension, You know, there might be a little bit of ring rust there because there were also points in that OAM fight where Diego did start to slow down a bit and he was able to use his technique to win the fight. And not saying that he can't do that here, but... The reason that Jared's the favorite is because if Diego starts to slow down, Jared's the last guy you want to slow down against, man. I mean, he really pushes that that pace. And don't get me wrong, Jared doesn't have the best gas tank either. You saw that in the Hakran fight, and maybe it really was a victim of circumstance. Maybe it really was because his first two UFC opponents uh, basically were not UFC-caliber guys, and uh, everyone that Diego has been fighting, at least his last three, are all top 25 guys. So... Diego's been in there with better competition I think Diego's got better technique it's just you know is he going to be suffering from ring rust Uh, I know that he's not looking soft at all you go to this guy's Instagram and he's ripped out of his mind so you know it might have it might as well have been a tainted supplement you know what I'm saying Shaq but comes down to how's he going to perform under the bright lights in after a more than two-year layoff that's what we don't know that's why it's confusing but that being said I have to pick the better fighter here. I'm going to go with Diego Ferreira for the upset here. I think Jared Gordon takes his first UFC loss. Now, also in the lightweight division, we got Sage Northcutt. He's minus 305, and the comeback on T-Bout Goody is plus 253. Now, I know everyone's expecting us to shit all over Sage Northcutt here, but, you know, man, I'm an honest guy, and I'll tell you what. Sage Northcutt, he took that year off after the Mickey golf fight, and you know what? He came back looking way better than ever, Shaq. He, uh... I was actually impressed with Sage Northcutt's last fight. Yeah, I was too, man. You
1: know, you know, as as of right now, he seems like a completely different guy training with Faber. You know, prior to the Quinones fight, I, I didn't think it was going to matter. But, I mean, <laughs> Faber, just to say Faber got the kid in check, man. Uh, Faber had him looking the best he ever has. You remember his striking against Enrique Marine and Barbarana and Mickey Gall. I mean, he got dropped by Mickey Gall. I mean, it was laughable, in my opinion. And then we see a guy that I've never seen before, a guy that's eating the punches inside the pocket, trading, answering back with three and four strikes, blasting through Mitchell Canonez with the takedowns. I mean, it was, an, it was an incredible performance, in my opinion, for a guy with the history that he had, you know. It was basically like I had to, you know, watching tape for this fight, It's basically like I had to completely forget about his past because, I mean, why would I take that into stock? I mean, I was a guy that was training, you know, while he was still in school, um, plus his training situation, you know, with his dad. You know, I, I, re- I really don't know. But, I mean, now I know who he's training with. I know that he's training with Josh Emmett every day. I know he's training with Elkins and Chad Mendez and Rick Glenn. And we already knew the hole in his game was getting up from bottom. And, I mean, imagine training with those four. I mean, I bet they hold him down in practice all the time and, you know, embarrass him. That's going to make him tougher. And, I mean, I think it did make him tougher. Um, I think his boxing got way better. I think, you know, he's still a little susceptible to uh, right hands. But, I mean, I think the kid's young. I think he's embracing that, man. I think he's just going to walk through that. But, you know, Godey, T-Ball Gode does have a solid right hand. And, you know, he does actually come to fight, man. You know, he actually does bite down and get in people's faces. It's just that, can he take it? Is he going to get discouraged? And, you know, history says that, yeah, he will, you know. You know, the Holbrook win, you know. Congrats. You, you knocked out Andrew Holbrook who has a knockout Andrew Holbrook. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, Jake Matthews, I guess. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I just think, uh, this is Sage's fight to take, man. I think he's the better fighter in every aspect. I think C-Bell Gowdy will come and fight hard for, you know, I think this might be hairy for a round, maybe like half a round. Um, I think he's going to come out and try to, you know, punk out the kid. I think he's going to try to get Sage to revert back to those old tendencies um maybe go for a couple of takedowns but i think sage is just gonna be too physical i think he's gonna overwhelm them when they collide man i think he's just gonna blast double them whenever he wants to build himself out and i think he can beat them on the feet man so i think uh sage is gonna i'm actually gonna say second round finish i think he's just gonna be too much um and I, i'm actually interested to see how far he keeps improving man because the
0: improvements he made from the Mickey golf fight to the uh michelle canada's fight was just drastic man yeah, he got so much better, and, you know, at the same time, he wasn't put in any bad positions, and I truly believe that, you know, Carlos Diego gets him on the mat, and, you know, it, all those old problems could reappear, but oh, that being said, sure. he ain't he for ain't sure. in there with Carlos Diego, he's in there with, you know, it's a tune-up fight again, you know, Michel Canonez and Thibaut Gaudi, m- much respect to both of them, they they fight in the UFC, but, you know, these are, uh, the, <laughs> these are jobbers these being are the brought owners. in to take L's, you know what I'm saying, yeah. man, and uh, yeah. I... I I just feel I feel like the opponents that he's gonna be getting for the next year or two, I just
1: feel like he's gonna if he keeps improving at this rate, it's gonna be easy money for him.
0: Yeah, no, a hundred percent. I think this will be easy money as well. I think that T Bal Goody, even though he had a win in his last UFC fight, he's one and three in the UFC, one and four if you include tough, and I think he's gonna run into something hard, man, because look, even though Sage looked much improved, and we still don't know what happens uh, if if a fight hits the mat with him again. I'll tell you this, man. His counter-striking game in that last fight was on point. His physicality, and not only that, like you mentioned, most importantly... When he got hit in the pocket, you know, he didn't you know, he didn't get dropped. He didn't start to back off it, you know, he didn't need the ref to get him up like in that Cody Fister fight. There was none of that bullshit here. And in fact, his offensive takedowns, man, he hit uh Michelle Canonas with a couple beautiful blast doubles. I think his timing is on point right now. I think he's gonna get a really nice win here over T Bal Goody. And, you know, we can talk about fading sage uh in the future when he fights a real, you know, a real top lightweight, but right now You know, they kind of realize what the deal is. The kid's only 21 years old. Let's just give him, uh, you know, a couple tomato cans, pad that record up, and I think he's going to have a nice performance here against T-Ball Welterweight division. We got Thiago, the Pitbull, Alves. He's minus 165, and the comeback on the newcomer, Curtis Melender, is plus 145. And I'll tell you what, this kid, Curtis Melender, is no slouch. He actually has a win over that prospect we were talking about, Kevin Holland, the guy that beat Jeffrey Neal. And uh, now uh, Curtis has this... uh, you know what I'm saying? This UFC debut against the vet, Thiago. Who do you think is going to get this one?
1: You know, personally, I feel like this could be a potential good debut for Chris Melender in terms of the circumstances, the scenario. You know, Alves, I mean, that the Mike Perry fight, you know, the sketchiness he pulled there, you know, he pulls out due to a weather condition. All I know is that him and Kristoff was on the same flight and Kristoff showed up to fight. That's all I know. And then, you know, his next fight against uh, Zach Cummings, Zach Cummings pulls out on him the day of the fight or the day before the fight or whatever it was. So, I mean, his last two fights, I mean, that's like the worst way to have it scratched. And, you know, now he's fighting a guy where it's like, what's the point? Just The point is to just get a paycheck, you know what I'm saying? Like, he absolutely gains nothing for beating Curtis Melander. And, I mean, imagine going from fighting Mike Perry, you know, <laughs> you know a super type guy a guy they want to promote then the fighting cummings who we you know is super underrated and you know a guy that's fringe top 20 top 25 and then now you're fighting curtis Melander, who no one knows um it's a it's a super letdown spot in my opinion man especially for a guy like albis who we know his history anytime he has that you know solid performance where everyone thinks he's back and whatnot he generally drops the ball the fight after that the thing with curtis Melander. I think he's got super athletic tools. I think his kicks, I think he can get his kicks up high super fast. And I mean, if one of those lands, he might put Thiago out. And I mean, he's known for doing that on the local scene. The thing is, the rest of his game is takedown defense. Just uh, the, you know, Thiago's a vet. He, he might outclass him if this thing hits the later rounds. He's way more experienced. That's what I'm uh, worried about. But I know that Melender, if he lands one of those head kicks, it could be over at any time. And I wouldn't be shocked if it happened. I still do think Tiago's the better fighter. Um, I think Tiago's going to scrape out a close decision here, man. I think lender's going to give him trouble early. I think Melendez might even drop him in the first round. But I think uh, Tiago, you know, outclass him in the late rounds, get a few takedowns, and squeak out a decision.
0: Yeah, you know, that's the part... Of Melender's game that I still have questions about is, you know, his takedown defense, his submission defense, his get up game, all those things. Because on the feet, I'll tell you what, the kid reminds me of Chitty and Jikwani. You mess with Curtis Melender on the feet, you might be. Oh, yeah, on the feet. Yeah. You, you mess with Curtis Melender on the feet, you might be in big trouble, but you take this guy down. I've seen him tap that mat very quick before, Shaq, uh, against Brendan Ward. And he, you know, he was piecing up Brendan Ward prior to that. But it just goes to show you that. You know, if a vet gets in there with him and takes him down and grabs that neck, uh, you know, he might be tapping that mat for another time. And Tiago Alves absolutely is a vet. It's just we don't know how much this vet has left. And I know, like you already mentioned, he's coming off another great performance over Patrick Cote. But we know what happens every time Tiago Alves has that great performance. He always comes back and loses his next fight. I mean, you remember... Uh, when he fought John Howard and we we're talking about, Oh, Tiago's back this and that. And then he loses a bunch of fights and you know, now he came back a couple years later and he beat Patrick Cote. now it's time to take another L man. So, uh, you know, since, uh, you remember how Tiago Alves was on that fucking massive win streak, you know, beat Matt Hughes, beat Josh Koscheck, got the title fight with GSP. Well, since his title fight with GSP, he's five and five. So he's literally a 500 fighter since his, uh, title shot with GSP. So it's literally a hot and cold fighter 50 50 you have no idea what to expect uh flip a coin i'm gonna go with the newcomer curtis melinda here i think it's a new era i think he's too athletic too dynamic i think he's actually going to outstrike the muay thai kickboxer and uh, win a decision but if this hits the mat you know what i'm saying uh hit up that live betting. you know what i'm saying Shaq? because uh exactly. this kid will tap that mat very quick but that being said, he's got so many offensive tools that it cannot be ignored. And against an aging competitor like Tiago, you know, a guy who you know he's he used to miss weight at 170, then not nowadays he's trying to make 155. You know what I'm saying, Shaq? So times yeah, times have changed. Think, so at the end, not to mention Tiago's, he's got one foot out the door. He's looking in
1: transition of being a coach. We've seen him in, you know, my boy Dustin's corner. He's looking to bounce out into that coaching game
0: as well. Um, so we never know what we're going to see from the guy. And I wish him all the best uh, in the future. Now, next up, the featured bout in the lightweight division. We got James, the executioner, Vic. He's minus 230, and the comeback on Francisco Masuranduba by Trinaldo is plus 190. Now, what a hell of a matchup between two top 15 lightweight, Shaq. Yeah, man. I
1: mean, we already already know that uh, Trinaldo. So we'll accept a fight with anyone. We know Trinado's not scared of anyone, and we know Trinado's going to come to fight, you know? Um, James Vick, top prospect at on 155 right now, finally getting some love in those rankings. And, I mean, we already know what's up with James Vick. We know he's super rangy. We know that if you stay at distance with him, you're probably going to get picked off, you know what I'm saying, unless you can get on the inside successfully. Now, to get inside, you got to take a lot of steps to get inside, and not too many people have been successful taking their steps without getting caught. Um, Trinaldo, you know, he is like, you know, he really on paper doesn't really have that much KO power. But I mean, when we watch and we see the force of that left hand and, you know, this is basically, I wouldn't say a redo of the bidding fight. But, you know, in some cases it kind of is just so we can go ahead and clear the south southpaw, meet, you know. Um, but I think Ronaldo's super underrated as far as the line Unfortunately, in my opinion, it's a dog or a dog or a pass situation. I don't think, uh, you know, I, I understand 100% why Vick's line minus 230. He's looking the best he ever has, and I actually think he is the real deal. I think he will win this fight. But, you know, when I'm looking to better, you know, play a minus 230 straight, I, I feel like it should be a complete, not a complete mismatch, but I feel like it should be dead near close, and I honestly don't feel like this is a complete mismatch. I think it's going to be a fight. I think Vick's going to get his hand raised in the end. I think, uh, you know, it could be a knockout a decision, most likely. But when I, when it's minus 230, you know, I'm looking at a, a Razak Al-Hassan versus Sabah, you know, uh, an equal price for Sullivan, a guy that's, you know, doesn't belong. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I feel like the the line's a little bit off. I'm actually surprised people did not take that uh, plus 190 on Trinato. It's It should be super enticing. You know, I thought it would be, but uh, I'm going to go with James Vick. I think he stays on track and he moves into that top 10 in the division. I got the utmost respect for Trenado, but he is, you know, creeping up on 40 years old. But Trenado seems like uh, he's one of these guys that he's just, he is what he is. You know what I'm saying? He's not going to come with anything new. It's the same guy. He's tough. He's going to move forward. He's going to look to throw that uh, left kick to the body, the overhand left, the left side shots. And uh, let's see if he can stay in Vic's face and uh, get the win.
0: But I'm I got James Vic. You know, much respect to Francisco Trinaldo because he was the only guy you know with the balls to step up and take this fight with James Vic. You know, many were called and many turned down uh, that fight. By the way, Shaq. So you know, much respect to Masuranduba, a true warrior that'll fight anyone, anytime, any place. My hat's off to him. But that being said james vick is the rightful favorite there's a reason this line opened minus 245 it's not an error it's not because of the hype it's because james vick is the real deal and and i think in this fight he's going to prove that not only is he a top 10 guy shack he's a future top five guy maybe even a potential title challenger because you know people like to act like he has a weakness against southpaws well you, you know first of all i understand the last southpaw he fought beat him and not only beat him but knocked him out but look that was first UFC L time. It is what it is. You know, no one likes to talk about the Nick Hine fight, who was also a southpaw. And I know Nick Hine dropped Vic in that fight, but uh, let's not forget Vic beat the shit out of Nick Hine. So I don't really think he's got a weakness against southpaws. I just think on that night when he fought Benil Darush, Benny was simply the better man. Benny caught him with a king's MMA uh, kick counter. You know, when uh when Vic threw the the high kick, Benny countered with an overhand left, which is something that not a lot of people have in their arsenal. To, you know, a counter off a high kick. You don't see that very often. You only see that from guys from Kings MMA. I mean, you saw that fight between Benny and Rashid. And he was countering everything that the counter striker Rashid threw. That just just shows you the high level Benil Dariush is on. I mean, you saw Benil Dariush go out there and outstrike Edson Barboza for the first round and a half of their fight. So, you know, I, I think taking your first UFC L to Benil Darius is admirable and respectable. And what's he done since then? Because with some guys, you know, they got that hype, then they take that first L. They never come back the same. I mean, you know, I, I'm not going to name any names. I I know, you know, a, a couple of the guys I'm talking about, you know, they get this big hype, then they lose four in a row. You know what I'm saying, Shaq? Uh, you know exactly who I'm talking about. But Vic ain't one of those guys, man. I think Vic simply had to take his first L. And when a, when a world champion faces defeat, You know, they put their head down, they grind, and they come back better. And that's exactly what Vic did because his next three fights, man, that's the best version of James Ick I have ever seen in my life, you know, to stop Abel Trujillo the way he did, to knock out a vicious knockout artist in Polo Reyes. And then he goes in there against Joe Duffy. Not only does he catch Joe Duffy, Shaq, he embarrassed Joe Duffy for that entire fight, you know. I mean, if you look at Joe Duffy's face between the first and second round, you can see Joe Duffy's like, what the fuck do I have to do to this guy? And also... Watch that huge overhand right that Joe Duffy swung at James Vick. Watch it in slow mo on Fight Pass. Click that slow motion feature, and you can see he, him whiff on it. And he, you know, he took a bunch of steps to, to get forward and close that distance. And he threw as hard as he could, and he still missed. And it. it's got to be super discouraging. And look, Trinaldo, I love watching this guy fight. He's got incredible footwork. I love the way he he uh, he moves his feet. I love the way he closes the distance. Very powerful left hand. He got Chad Lepre out of there. But I think in this spot, man, you know, Francisco's got a history of gassing uh, around the second the second round of every fight, man. And he can get away with it against guys like Yancey. He can get away with it against guys like Felder. But you're not going to get away with it against a cardio machine like James Vick. You know, I think that there's a lot of moments in Trinaldo's fights where he's able to kind of take a break, take a rest. And I'm not discrediting, discrediting him at all because... Both of these guys have a similar stat. They've both won eight of their last nine UFC fights. That means that if you faded these guys in their last nine UFC fights, you'd be one in eight, Shaq. But if you bet on them in their last uh, nine UFC fights, you'd be eight and one. So, you know, both of these guys are money machines. But that being said, man, I think that James Vick is uh, on a different level than, than Masurandou Batrinaldo. I think he's going to pick him apart with that jab. When it's time to time that flying knee, he's gonna time that flying knee. And I think eventually, you know, when that left hand isn't landing for Tornado, he's gonna start to go to his wrestling. And yes, Vic has been taken down in the past, but one thing we know about Vic is his getup game is on point. And, you know, when you try to hold down a six foot three man, he starts getting up, you're gonna start huffing and puffing. And that's when you're gonna start to see Vic really tee off, mixing it up to the body, mixing in the spins, the flying knees, the high kicks. I think Vic's going to go out here and finish Masu Randuba Trinado. So I understand why he's the favorite. I got him here. James Vic is going to get another huge win in Texas by finish. Co-main event of the evening. We got and Tibor Tibura. He's minus 145. And the comeback on Derek the Black Beast Lewis is plus 125. Now, uh, you know, these two were initially scheduled to fight last year and Derek Lewis was actually a big favorite. Now he's the underdog in this spot, Shaq. So, you know, do you agree with the lines makers now, or do you agree with them back then? Um, you know, maybe
1: I agreed with them back then, and I, I agree with them now, I'll tell you that much, because Derek Lewis, he's been doing some alarming things as well. Um, you know, the Mark Hunt fight, you know, I'm not going to say quit, you know, a heavyweight with the style of Derek Lewis, you know, if they don't have anything left, they don't have anything left. So I'm not going to say he quit, but even though between you and me, he, he did quit, but <laughs> let's just say, you know, he was, let's just say he was uh, out of gas. And then, you know, he uh, gets scheduled to fight for Boricio. And then, you know, you're, you're talking, you know, all in the lead up, you know, this and that. And then the day of the fight, you pull out, you know, is is that not alarming? Yes.
0: Because yes.
1: of, because of a back, because of a back issue that, you know, was failed to be mentioned, you know, the whole read up to the fight. But, you know, it is what it is. But it's more so with the improvements that uh, Martin Tabura has, you know, been making. And before we get started, I don't give a fuck about the Jackson Link losing streak. That's a myth. Like, so what? Uh, Martin Tabura ain't fucking everyone else on Jackson Wink. So let's go ahead and knock out that myth. Um, I think Martin made a lot of, I think he learned a lot in the Fabricio Verdun fight. You know, Fabricio, for one, I got a lot of respect for that guy. The guy is on a different level in terms of the heavyweight division when it comes to fighting, like, the the pace that he put on Marcin. And Martin dealt with it, man. Even though he did he did take an ass with him, he, he got beat up pretty bad. But, I mean, I felt I like he fought well, man. I felt like it's either one of those things where you learn everything from that, and I think he's one of those guys that will. Or, you know, you uh, completely crash and burn. But I think he's got the perfect style, man. I feel like if he keeps the distance, you know, throws that seat to his guy. We know Derek, Lees, uh, Derek Lewis doesn't like those uh, front kicks to the body. I think if he keeps his distance, makes him a nice little head kick. We saw those head, head kicks against Verdum. Verdum almost went out for a couple of those, man. Um, I think Todd Boy just wants it more, man. I think when the going gets tough, I think uh, Lewis will check out. And I feel like he's not, especially with this being a three-round fight instead of a five-round fight. I think uh, Marcin can build up an early lead on points and, you know, just, you know, run away in the last round and win a decision, man. I think uh, he's got this fight, And uh, I think, you know, Black Beast hits super hard. I feel like if Tiber is not careful, he could get cracked. Um, the thing is, man, I just think that uh, Black, Black Beast, I think he's a front-runner. I feel like, you know, even though he has come back in the past, I feel like that's been against... You know, Victor Pesta and Shamil, you know, guys that have, have histories of quitting or, you know, checking out in fights. I don't think uh, Tabor is going to do that. I think, uh, even though he gassed out against Arlovsky and gave everyone a heart attack, I think he learned a <laughs> lesson. And I think he learned an even bigger lesson in the Radoom fight. And I think he comes back better and gets a finish.
0: Yeah, don't remind me about that heart attack I had when I max bet Tibor against Arlovsky. All right, Shappy, because that was at like 5 a.m. in Singapore and, uh, Let's just say I didn't go back to sleep after that. But, you know, in this spot, man, I think that Derek Lewis is actually gonna show up here because look, the fight's in Texas. He is from Texas. His last, uh, result against Mark Hunt was super embarrassing and it's gotta be even more embarrassing to pull out of your next fight the day of. So, I, I think his back is against the, the proverbial wall here. I think Derek Lewis is gonna show up. But that being said, Marcy and Tibora, it's not often you see a volume striker in the heavyweight division I mean I know my boy Shamil Abdurahimov has a you know that volume style and he actually beat he would have beat Derek Lewis had that been a three round fight 30-27 but he fucked up in that fourth round so I think Marcy and Tibura can go watch that tape and figure out a game plan to come out here and out volume Derek Lewis to, to a decision you know mixing the teeps mixing the jabs mixing the high kicks and you know potentially stop him with a high kick there's just one thing here You know, if Derek Lewis... uh you know, hits you on the chin with one of those uppercuts. If Derek Lewis gets on top of you and starts throwing those big bungalows, I don't care who you are, you're getting knocked the fuck out. So, you know, Marcin Tibora still has to be on top of his game in a fight like this because even though you know people like to talk about Derek Lewis, oh, he, you know, he's a front runner, you know, cardio issues, this and that. The dude's a super dangerous guy, and the dude also wins a lot more fights than he than he loses. Shaq, he's a winner in the UFC at the highest level. I remember uh, that post he made. You know, some guy wanted to come to the gym and see what the Black Beast was all about, then you see the picture of the guy sprawled out on the canvas, uh, you know what I'm saying, looking up at the lights. So you sleep on a guy like Derek Lewis and you will literally be sleeping. But that being said, I think Marcin Tibora has a game plan. I think he has a strategy. I think he's a smart fighter. and then he's going to come out here and get the biggest win of his UFC career. I'm going to go Marcin Tibora 29-28 on two scorecards and 30-27 on the last. Main event of the evening, we got Donald Cowboy Cerrone, he's minus 150, the comeback on Yancey Medeiros is plus 130. Now Shaq, at the beginning of the show, you said this is a fight between someone on a three-fight winning streak and Yancey Medeiros versus a fighter on a three-fight losing streak in Donald Cerrone. Now, the guy on the three-fight losing streak is currently the favorite here. The guy on the three-fight losing streak was also the favorite in his losses to Darren Till and Jorge Masvidal. Do you think the trend will continue here where the underdog comes in and upsets uh, the fan favorite, Donald Cerrone? You
1: know, it's tough because it could be one of those situations where you you just need to have action against Cowboy at this state in his career. Three L's in a row, all by... Uh, well two by stoppage but really three stoppages just because he got knocked out twice by Jorge in that fight and um, you know it's just it's unfortunate what's been happening to him but my boy Yancy the thing with Yancy is where I feel like he has the potential to be a trap fight is I feel like Cerrone has a big edge when it comes to just the whole knowledge and the execution of the point fighting game if he send to, uh, you know, fall back on that strategy in this fight, which would be, you know, a good strategy because why would you brawl Yancey? You know what I'm saying? We know Yancey isn't going to quit. We know that Yancy isn't going to go out. Well. We've seen Dustin and, you know, uh, Master Nduba and Alex Cowboy hit this guy with everything in the kitchen sink and he still won't go down. You know what I'm saying? So it makes no sense to fight him with fire in my opinion. So I think Cerrone's going to come out here with a little more cautious game, a little more uh, caution in his style and, you know, when I look at Yancey, when we face Romi, you know, we like guys to do certain things. We like, you know, a guy that will blast our body. We like a guy that will stay in his face, not give him any space, you know, punk him out. And, you know, Yancey really doesn't have that type of style. Yancey's another guy that likes to get hurt to the body a lot. He's a notoriously slow starter, even though I feel like he's been looking the best he ever has at uh, 170. It's just a super tough fight to call, man. I feel like it's a potential trap fight on both sides man because I mean how I know that you know Cerrone's a guy that's you know he's on the tail end it's 100 percent. but at the end of the day I still feel like he's better than Yancy Medeiros all across the board it's just a matter of he, he really just might be completely done but uh I'm gonna slide I'm gonna, I'm a side with uh Yancy Medeiros in this one I just think uh I just think he's in a better spot, man. I feel like I feel like things will be going Cerrone's way early, but I feel like around second and third round, I feel like Yancy will hit him with a shot, and uh, you know, not saying one punch KO, but I feel like that's where things will just start to turn. And I actually see Yancey winning uh, a five round decision,
0: man. Like you said, dude, it's such a tough fight to call because we know in Cerrone's prime, he'd probably win this fight inside the distance. And we also know he's got a lot more tools uh, than Yancey Madero's does. But, you know, that might not matter here because Cowboy might simply have had enough. And I know uh, he was on that huge win streak at welterweight, you know, prior to his skid. But, you know... <laughs> Things in this game change overnight, and they change rapidly. I mean, you remember Chuck Liddell winning all those fights, and then all of a sudden he's getting knocked out every single fight. And we don't know if Donald Cerrone's on that level yet or not, and there's a chance that he might be. And, you know, I know Yancey took a lot of damage in his last fight against Alex Oliveira, and he takes a lot of damage in a lot of fights, but one thing that he's got going for him He's so durable. He can take that ass whooping. Something about those Hawaiians, man. Something in the water over there. Those do you can hit those dudes with a baseball bat. They'll laugh at you and keep coming forward. You know what I'm saying? And Yancey absolutely has those qualities. But Cowboy does have a uh, does possess what it takes to put Yancey away. It's just you know, is he going to be able to pull that trigger? You know after. Three devastating losses. Two of them were absolutely devastating, but one of them against Robbie, even though it was a fun war. Some people scored it for Cowboys, some scored it for Lawler. We can all agree. Both guys took a lot of damage in that fight. And, you know, at this point in their careers, that's gotta, you know that's gotta, you know, if he was a ninety-two on the video game, it's gotta at least make him an eighty-nine by now. You know what I'm saying, Shaq? So it, it's just one of these cases where it's super tough to call. I lean Yancy because he's the younger, fresher guy, but the reason I'm not, you know. Running, uh, you know, first in line at the window to bet it right now is because I know one little high kick, one little body kick, one little flying knee, one triangle choke, and the fight could be completely over because Donald Cerrone is that good, he hits everyone with that double leg. And so, in a matter of skill, I got Cerrone, but in a matter of will, I get Yancey Madero's. And there's something James Vick always told me, he always said, It's not the skill of the man, it's the will of the man. So with that being said, I'm going to go with Yancey Medeiros for the upset, but I'm kind of reluctant in this bit because I think it's a super close fight, but I'm going to go with Yancey. Now, uh, before we hit up Kyle Marley for the Big Marley Minute, uh, you know, Shaq, we we were telling everyone that we were looking forward to this weekend because we had a big max bet on the card. Now, Initially, the plan was to have two max bets on this card for UFC Austin, and one of them was going to be about a 10-unit play. Unfortunately, one of the fights got canceled. But the good news, Shaq, is uh, we still have a a nice max bet on this card here, don't we, my man? Yeah,
1: man. uh, I got a max bet going this uh, weekend on Sunday. And uh, I believe it's going to get the job done. And right now, it's all about getting this win and moving on and uh, creating some consistency right now. And, uh, of course, man, we're looking to help out people that are looking to take this seriously 100%. And um, I think things are going to start
0: looking uh, real good for us. I, I do as well, man. You know, I, it, it is what it is. You know, like the great Billy Walter said, I've had losing weeks, I've had losing months, but never a losing year. And uh, I, I stick by that because I've never had a losing year either. And, uh, you know, that's this year, 2018, is going to be no exception. But that being said, man, this max bet... Uh, I'm pretty fucking sure it's going to get the job done. For sure, man. And, uh, you know, it's not about how you start. It's about how you finish. That's right. That's right. And you can apply that message to all areas of life if you know what I mean. But uh, that being said, let's hit up Kyle Marley for the Big Marley Minute. And joining us now on the Big Marley Minute is Big Marley himself. Kyle, how's it going? Great, man. Uh, Ready for another card. Make some more money. So, I mean, should I ask you how things went last week at the championship?
2: Uh, it wasn't bad. Uh, I finished, I think, eighth and eleventh, uh, and I think that was good for five thousand. So it's not what I wanted, but I'll take it. It could have been worse.
0: You know, my boy getting more than a Reebok entry level pay, and it, it's not that bad, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Still can get better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so can they, right? So can they. But uh, you know, this main event. Just as a fan of the sport, you know, how can you not love watching Donald Cerrone and Yancy Medeiros fight? But you're in. You're on the show because of DraftKings, man, and they currently got Cerrone 8,400. They got Madero 7,800. It kind of reflects where the line's at currently. I know you love Donald Cowboy Cerrone. You think he's going to get back on track here, or do you think the surging Yancey Maderos is going to continue his win streak?
2: Yeah, like you said, man, I love Cerrone, so my bias may be getting in the way here, uh, but I am picking Cerrone to win, and I think most people are fading him at this point, so I think I'm going to get him at lower ownership than I usually would. So I think I want to be above the field on Cerrone personally because not only do I want to root for him, if I can get him at a lower ownership than I usually get a name like Cerrone at, I have to take that. Uh, but I'm, I don't think it's going to be an easy fight at all. I think he could get knocked out. Yancey's been looking really good. Um, so I'm going to have a few shots on Yancey as well. But the way to go about this fight is stacking in cash. I think they're going to put up a, a really good score. It's going to be a fun fight. Uh, and if you put them uh, both in cash, you got yourself one win right there. Find yourself three others and you should be good.
0: James Vick is taking on Francisco Trinaldo. I feel like if you pick this fight correctly and you pick the winner of this fight and put him on in drafting his lineup, it could be part of the optimal lineup because, look, Vick is currently 9,000. He needs to score at least 90 to cover, uh, you know, that price from your standards. And I think if he goes out there and finishes a guy like Trinaldo, not only will he get 90 points, he'll get over 100 points. But a guy like Trinaldo... You know he has been winning a lot of fights by decision, but the way that Vic fights, you're not going to beat Vic by decision. If you're going to beat Vic, you're going to knock him out. So if Trinaldo goes out there and knocks him out, he's definitely going to meet that seventy-two hundred dollar you know price tag. So I think the winner is going to get you a lot of points. You know I got James Vic. Which way are you leaning?
2: Uh, I think the popular play is actually going to be Trinaldo here because, like you said, if if it is going to end in a knockout, I think it's more likely going to be Trinaldo if it's a knockout and he's going to pay off that value pretty well. But the way I see this fight going is a stand-up fight that Vic is going to win, picking him apart uh, 29, 28, maybe 30, 27. So I, d- I don't really see him getting that 100-point uh, upside, but I think Vic gets a win, and maybe he's in between 80 and 90 points. So the problem is do you want to – well, do I want to risk it uh, for a 9,000 price tag getting 80 to 90 is what I see as the expected outcome? I'm not sure – but if I find out that he's going to be maybe 10% owned, if nobody's talking about him, I'll take that shot on Vic because I do think Ternaldo will be pretty popular. Um, but at the same time, I, I don't, I can't fade Ternaldo completely because if he gets that first round knockout and I don't have him, then I'm pretty much done for the night. So I think this is a way to go. Both sides on GPP. I'm not exactly sure if I'm going to mess with it in cash or not. But my pick here is Vic uh, in a decision. I just don't know how high he can score.
0: So, Tiago Alves, he's coming back and he's taking on this newcomer, Curtis Melender. Now, currently, you can get Melender as low as 7600 And we know Tiago Alves, you know, even though he's had a great career, all great careers do come to an end. Now, I'm not 100% convinced that the newcomer is going to come out here and get the upset, but he does have some vicious head kicks. And if he does get this upset, he will cover that salary cap.
2: Yeah, I think he's going to be another popular one that I'm going to have to fall on as well. It's hard to pick uh, too many underdogs on this card. So I think he's one that has a, a live shot of winning here. Um, and Alves doesn't really interest me a whole lot, except for that if he's going to be low-owned, maybe I'll take my shots that way. Uh, but I can see why he'd be low-owned, because I don't see him going out there and just dominating like an old Alves would and getting some first-round, into the first-round finish after a brutal beating. I think it would be more of a a decision maybe even twenty nine, twenty eight, where he loses a round and he's not gonna put up very many points in that round. So I'm not too interested in this fight unless I'm gonna go with the dog.
0: So I know you remember when Tim Elliott went out there and broke a DraftKings record when he fought against Lewis Smolka, and then his very next fight, he scored zero points. Now, the reason I bring that up is because there's this guy Jared Gordon and in both of his first two UFC fights, I mean Correct me if I'm wrong, Kyle, but he scored over 100 points both times. He absolutely destroyed both of his opponents, but now he's taking on a big step up in competition, and I'm not convinced that he's going to cover that $9,300 salary cap. And honestly... From what I from what I see, Diego Ferreira might be uh, the cheapest fighter on the on on DraftKings right now, at sixty nine hundred. And this this is a dude coming off a win over OAM. He went the distance with Benny Dariush. He stood up and banged like a man against Dustin Poirier. So I'm just gonna tell the fans right now, Diego Ferreira will make some of my lineups, Kyle.
2: Yeah, I man, that's the cheapest guy. I think uh, I can't fault you for that. Uh, before they released salaries, I figured. Gordon would be a big part of my lineups because I think he opened to what maybe minus one seventy five or so. So I figured he would be a middle of the road favorite, and I would get him in at a good price. but now they have him as the highest priced guy. So I'm really rethinking things on this fight. I don't know if I want to pay up at ninety three hundred when I can get anybody else on this card for cheaper. Uh, and if you go the other way, if you put Ferrari in your lineup, then you just have a lot of money to work with with other favorites. So that may be the way to go. Uh, especially in cash where you can afford that loss. Uh, But the problem is that pace that Gordon puts up, he can easily pay off that 9,300. He could be the highest scoring guy on the card, and if he does that, you're probably going to need him. Um, So I don't know if I can fade him just because of his crazy pace, but I'm definitely rethinking this fight because this might be one to punt on.
0: Look, Brian Kamosi hasn't been impressive at all in his UFC career, but in order to fade him here, you got to be willing to lay down 8,900 on a newcomer. Are you willing to do that?
2: I don't think I am. I think Kamosi would probably be my preferred play um, if I don't fade this fight completely. Uh, I'm not too interested in it right now, but I also haven't made too many lineups. So I'm not sure what I'll do yet, but I think I would rather get those guys that are around Neil. Instead of him. So I think if I'm making one lineup and I have to put one of these guys in it, it would be commozy
0: now you already know how I feel about Alex Morano versus Josh Berkman. I mean, look much respect to Berkman really cool guy, but you know he's also one in ten in his last eleven UFC appearances. And honestly, they got him priced more expensive than Diego Fajera. I was very surprised by that. Now, if Murano comes out here and knocks him out like I think he's going to, he's going to cover that $8,800 price cap. But the thing is, man, I also see a scenario where he goes out there and wins a decision. Now, if that is the case and he goes out there and wins a three-round decision, he probably won't cover the $8,800, right? Yeah, I don't see him covering
2: that um, in a decision. But I think if he wins, it's most likely by a knockout, uh, which he would pay that $8,800 off. But this is my problem because I thought this is where Gordon would be open up as the eighty eight hundred guy and then Berkman being the cheapest guy on the card so before salaries were released I thought maybe I would take some shots on Berkman and then I would be fading Morono more as the as the most expensive guy but now he is only eighty eight hundred when Gordon is the most expensive at ninety three I do think morono gets the knockout so now after uh, seeing these salaries I'm gonna be taking some shots on him and Berkman's just too high priced to really take any shots on at all unless he's going to be super low on uh, just as a GPP chance. And hopefully he can get takedowns and win a fight. But at that price, I don't think I want to risk that.
0: Speaking of overpriced, this kid, Oscar Pihota, look, I'm a fan, man, but he's 9,100. This is a kid that beat Vinny Magalies on the jiu-jitsu scene. And you saw his UFC debut. It was an absolute clinic, but he's taken on a very strong grinder in tim williams so look i'm leaning oscar's way but you know if he doesn't finish this fight i'm also not convinced he's going to cover that 9100 hundred dollar salary cap
2: yeah you uh you said it right there I man i don't really have anything to add on to it to tell you the truth uh, i think this is kind of a fight to fade because he is my pick but i don't see him really paying off that 9100 either and since he's my pick i don't really want to take too many shots on williams so this is probably going to be a fade fight for me
0: And last but not least, Sage Northcutt, he's coming back. He's taking on T-Bout Guti. And listen, man, you know I've talked shit about Sage Northcutt in the past, but you also know I'm an honest man. And I was very impressed by his last performance. Even, you know, put it on the back burner who he was fighting. I still was impressed with uh, his improvements, man. I thought he came a long way since his fight with Mickey Gall. And we know the deal here. They're bringing in the French jobber to come take an L. It's just, uh, is Sage going to cover this $9,200 salary cap?
2: That is a high salary, uh, but he's for sure my pick to win. I will have zero Gowdy on my lineup, so I'm going to fade him completely. It's just, can Sage pay off that 9200 Are you going to go with him over Gordon? Are you going to go with him over the guys that are priced under him? I'm not quite sure yet, but I will not be fading Northcutt. I, I think he's going to win, and I think he's going to win pretty easily. Uh, but what we really need him to do is use his wrestling here for him to pay that off unless he's going to get that first round knockout. But I could see him doing both. So, uh, man, if I was making one lineup, I think Northcutt could be on that team.
0: You remember when Timu ellen fought uh, T-Bal Gowdy and he knocked him out and submitted him in under 20 seconds? <laughs> Maybe
2: we can get Northcutt to do that here, and then he'll pay that off for sure.
0: I know, right? So before I let you go, man, any uh, any thoughts on this heavyweight fight between Tibora and Lewis? Uh, I like Tibora quite a bit, actually. Um,
2: but yeah, we should definitely talk about this one, because I think for GPPs, you're probably going to need it. Um, they're right there in that middle range of fighters, so they kind of fit well with lineups. Uh, my pick is Tibora. I'm not too sold on Lewis. I just don't know if I'm going to fade Lewis completely because if he wins, it's probably going to be by some devastating KO, and he's going to pay off his 7,900. So I don't want to be stuck without him. Uh, I think this is a fight to target both sides of, and if I'm making 10 lineups, I probably want at least six of them to have this fight, maybe four Tibora, two Lewis, something along those lines, but you definitely want exposure here.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what I was telling Shaq. Like, I favor Tibora as well, but, you know, if there's one thing you don't want to sleep on, it's the knockout power of the Black Beast. So, you know, the winner of this fight most likely will score a lot of points. And, Kyle, thanks again, man. That's why uh, you are the drafting guy for half the battle, man. Always killing it. And uh, I wish you luck this weekend, my man. Thanks, buddy. You too. Have fun and enjoy the fights. Yes, sir. The fans can follow you at Big Marley 3 Kyle, any message for them before we talk next week? Got my head-to-heads posted. Come see me. And that is why Kyle Marley... Is the DraftKings guy for half the battle, always killing it, always giving out that hard hitting advice. And uh man, yeah, if you don't listen to us, you gotta listen to him.
1: For sure, man. Kyle gets the job done, just like me get the job done.
0: And that's why uh half the battle is the
1: number one MMA podcast out right now.
0: This is true. Well now we gotta talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. So Shaq, what is the fight to watch for UFC Austin? Uh, My
1: fight to watch is going to be
0: Diego Ferreira versus Jared Gordon. We know that
1: uh, the style that Jared Gordon has, he likes to walk forward, eat a lot of punches, and put it on his opponents. And I'm interested to see if he can do that to Carlos Diego, who we know shouldn't be underestimated. We know his stand-up is super deceptive, and we know his ground game is on point. So that's my fight to watch.
0: Yeah, look, my fight to watch, and it's is going to be kind of funny to some, is Lucy Pudalova versus Sarah Morass. It's not often you have Sarah Moraes in my fight to watch, but the reason why is not because of her. It's because of Lucy Pudalova. I was very impressed with this prospect when I went and watched the tape. And like I said on my breakdown, I think she has the potential to be a, a – Joanna Janjacek Jr., I mean, she's just a kid right now. She's only 23 years old, and I think if she comes out here and marks up the face of Sarah Morass. like I think she's going to, I think we might have a new prospect in the 135-pound division. So, Lucy Putalova versus Sarah Morass is my fight to watch. Now, Shaq, who is your fighter to watch for UFC Austin? You know, my fighter to watch is going to be uh, James Vick, man. I mean, he, he's got
1: all the hype right now. This would be the perfect spot for him to, you know, just go ahead and submit his name into that top 10. And I mean, get these fights that he's been asking for, these guys that have been turning them down. So if uh, if he gets to win here, then he's uh, in big shoes. And uh, I feel like he's going to have a great 2018.
0: Yeah, I mean, how could James Vick not be your fighter to watch? I mean, the kid. Three straight finishes in 2017. Now he's looking to kick off 2018 with a bang against a top 15 guy, against a perennial tough out in Francisco Masuranduba, Trinaldo. So if he gets this win, he's absolutely going to be one of your fighters to watch. And, uh, not just for this event, but for the year. But look, man, my fighter to watch is Yancey Medeiros. He's coming off a three-fight win streak as well, and now he's taking on the name, the legend, the vet, in Donald Cowboy Cerrone, and it's one of those spots where you get that win over Donald Cerrone, and you know for a fact, Shaq, that changes careers. That propels you to that next level. You know, Donald Cerrone's always been what we like to refer to as a top-five gatekeeper. If you can't beat Donald Cerrone, you're not getting in that top five. But you beat him, and, you know, back in the day... That would give you entry to the top five, but now it's more like a top 10 gatekeeper. And uh, Yancey has a big chance here. He gets this win and it's going to take his career to that next level. So Yancey is my fighter to watch. Uh, well, Shaq, uh, we did it. It's going down this Sunday. FS1, Austin, Texas. They can follow you at MMA Genius 05. They can follow me at Best Fight Picks, our Instagram, Best Fight Picks Official. Make sure you subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Stitcher. Hook up those five-star reviews on iTunes. Send us a screenshot of that five-star review you gave us on iTunes, and we'll give you a free bet. Shaq, any message for them before we talk next week?
1: Uh, Man, just thanks for the support. We're going to get the job done this weekend, and uh, thanks for all the support.
0: Absolutely. Thank you to everyone that's been down with us, no matter what the result is, because you know long-term what the deal is. So until the next time, let's cash these bets.